Welcome to What's the Binge, the podcast where we talk about the movies and TV shows that are binge-worthy of your time. I'm Ryan LaFort, and I'm joined by my co-host, Charlie Pingle. How's it going, Charlie? It's going good. Great. Glad to hear it. Okay, so the way this podcast works is me and Charlie will be talking about a show that each of us have been binging and why you should be watching it, too. We'll get the ball rolling with Charlie's pick and what he's been streaming lately. Charlie, take it away. All right, so... uh... I started watching Tales from the Loop. I'm about four episodes in. It's a sci-fi show on Amazon Prime Video uh, streaming. It's an Amazon original. Um, And it's sort of a sci-fi quasi-anthology series that follows uh, members of a town in Ohio who live above a machine that's trying to solve the mysteries of the universe. And weird stuff's happening in the town. Weird stuff shows up. And it lends itself to a lot of interesting scenarios um, already in those first few episodes. Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm really interested in that. What do you want to know about it? Um, well, I'm just kind of curious as to why other people should be watching it right now. You know, I mean, you, as you were kind of saying, it's a bit of a anthology uh, series, and you know, I, I've watched probably like five other anthology original series from like stories on Apple Plus and the new uh, Twilight Zone that's on CBS All Access. So I'm just kind of curious as what like this what sets this apart from all the other ones? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, so uh, anthologies have kind of become a pretty dense market, especially with the rise of Black Mirror taking on, um, and then smaller ones like Love, Death, Robots uh, being on Netflix and being so quick and bingeable in that way. But what Tales from the Loop kind of does well is it, it it's an anthology in the way that each episode follows different characters and different into But it's also uh, a typical show narrative in the way that all of these characters are interacting with each other in each episode. It just focuses on somebody else each time and a different scenario detached from everybody else. Um, And it's very interesting in that way, but the consequences of each episode carry into the next in some way, whether directly or subliminally. And that's really interesting to see uh, just from an anthology perspective, because I think that's sort of a formula that's starting to grow stale and people are getting sick of seeing those pop up everywhere. I know that happened mm-hmm. with viewing numbers on the Twilight Zone. Um, Amazing Stories is probably doing pretty well. I know Steven Spielberg is closely attached to that. But uh, this does a, an interesting job of reinventing a formula that's kind of running dead. Uh, but then in terms of sci-fi too, I think for a long time people have... Uh, been concerned with dystopias and the way we can relate it to social messaging and Mm -hmm. along with that displaying crazy effects and focusing on the science fiction aspects of it rather than the humans Mm -hmm. of it and so what Mm -hmm. tales from the loop does well that i really enjoy is it focuses in on the people uh in this town in this story and that's really who it's about it's about the toll all the sci-fi stuff takes on the people living there and that's really interesting to see this more human-centered science fiction uh filmmaking uh, happening and and it's just overall it creates an interesting tone that lends itself to uh, an interesting backdrop and an interesting formula that i haven't seen in a while and i think it it also gives it a more intellectual bend that you wouldn't necessarily necessarily see Somewhere else, because I think, you know, where anthology started was, of course, with the original Twilight Zone. And what was nice Mm -hmm. about that was it wasn't overly smart. It wasn't overly heady about its themes, but it still had that intelligence there along with the irony of every individual story. But at the end of the day, every story was about the people involved in it and the people affected by it. Um, And I think 
anthologies and just science fiction in general has started to get away from focusing on the people more about focusing on the tech and these lofty philosophical mm-hmm. themes but tales from the loop takes right. it and puts it in a little midwestern town and i'm a big fan of that and it's really nice and modern yeah i mean i i like that you're talking about like comparing it to black mirror because a lot of people are comparing this to black mirror and they're saying that it's the exact opposite of it where black mirror is very much about like the message it's trying to send across because you know it's all about like how technology is terrible and how it can like really affect people in terrible ways and it can like lead to people like murdering other people just out of jealousy or things like that and i think that what tales from the loop does is is it it doesn't necessarily have a commentary it's more about the wonder of sci-fi and i think that's really cool i mean the first episode you know it's just about this girl who's trying to find her mother because she thinks that her mother ran away from her and it just throws in these sci-fi elements that make it very human Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways like i think it really focuses on the characters like you were saying and i and what i found a lot with these anthology shows that have been coming out recently is that they haven't been very focused on the people in the stories it's more about like the story that they're trying to tell because like i think i was watching a an amazing stories that just came out on amazing plus uh, on um, apple plus and it was it was really hard to like feel passionate about the characters because it was so focused on the crazy aspects they were throwing in there you know it was it, it wasn't so focused on you know the personal struggles it was more focused on how crazy it was that these people are interacting with these out of this world experiences and not so much on you know how they are personally feeling you know it was very devoid of humanity and i feel like tales from the loop does a very good job with that um I don't know if you know this, but it's actually based off of this series of sci-fi paintings that this Swedish painter made. His name's Steinman uh, Stallenhag. Yeah, yeah, I've seen and, some of those. Yeah, and honestly, like, looking at all those, it the show does a very good job of, like, capturing what those paintings are, you know? Like, it has, I mean, every single episode is actually based off of one of those paintings, <laughs> and I think it's really cool that they're able to capture what this guy was doing in a single painting and make it into, like, an hour-long episode of, eight episodes in one season you know i think that's really cool yeah well because like those paintings are are his whole point is this weird art deco human centricity to the sci-fi we're being shown he kind of takes giant lofty science fiction figurines and images and puts them in this weird pseudo 60s midwestern um Mm -hmm. landscape uh and i think the show also does a good job of that too because it's kind of unclear what time this is like what time period this is taking place in and i like that a lot mm-hmm. too with my shows um because i know legion's another one uh, fx had that people can't quite place where that is uh in the timeline because it's so it, it pulls from like 70s and 60s art deco uh production design but it has all these yeah. modern themes and technology so it's really interesting to see shows doing that too and i think that lends itself to another neat aspect that this show has over other things that are on and out right now. Yeah. I mean like the whole small town sci-fi aesthetic is very interesting. Cause I like, you know, they're talking about things like um, quantum jumps and time loops and all these crazy sci-fi things yet. They're using rotary phones and electric stoves, you know, like they're using like very kind of like simplistic mm-hmm. things within the town, but they have like these giant robots that are walking around and interacting with like, with all the people in it. And I think that's also a very cool thing that you bring up. It's just that whole small town Ohio aesthetic, but it's also just thrown into like ordinary people. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. What's, what's neat about it too, is it's uh, as somebody who comes from, you know, 
uh, a Midwestern town surrounded by other smaller Midwestern towns. There's a, there's a city like two hours from me uh, that shares a paper mill with another city. And everybody who lives in those towns and works in those towns works at that paper mill. And you see that a lot mm. in like Midwestern uh, townships and villages where they have sort of a central economic standard and something, it's a place everybody is educated and goes to work at after they're done being educated. Whether that's in grade school or high school in the loop, uh, this laboratory underneath the town is treated sort of like that, where it's like, you're going to go work at the loop or you're going to go work at the quarry. Mm. And uh, that's interesting to see how they play on that Midwestern dynamic. And on top of that too, uh, from the opening of the show, you see these robots walking all over the place. And and at first you're kind of like, whoa, those that's really neat and that's really cool. But nobody really reacts to them being there. They just kind of walk around as though they're deer. Um, and there's a comment made by a character in the first episode where he's like, you know, somebody made these ones. And it's kind of like the way kids look at animals and they're like, somebody made these at one point. These, these were made by, and it's, it's, it, it throws this weird, like normalcy into everything to the point by the fourth episode, mm-hmm. all that fantastical imagery that's in the middle of those landscapes doesn't feel so fantastical and you kind of feel right at home in the world. And so the world building in that way is very relatable and easy to fall into and enjoy Um, Mm. because it just, it gently nudges you into it, but doesn't throw it in your face to the point where you're like, Oh, we're in a crazy wacky place. (laughs) You know, you're like, this is, this is normal (laughs) for these people in this town. And eventually Mm -hmm. you start to see it as normal too. And that's really weird to to feel, but it's also really cool. Yeah, no, I mean, um, I was reading an article with uh, Matt Reeves. He's the executive producer uh, for the loop, and he's also directing the new uh, Robert Pattinson uh, Batman movie that's coming out in 2020, I believe. Yeah. I'm really excited for that. But you know, I was re- I was just reading the article, and you know, he was kind of talking about the approach they took to it, and you know, they were very clear that they didn't want to make something that had already been rehashed. You know, <laughs> like like everyone's always talking. Like I think it's funny how everyone compares like Black Mirror to the Twilight Zone. Like you know, no yeah. one establishes the Black Mirror as its own show. It's just like, oh, it's just the Twilight Zone part two. But what I think that Matt Reeves was really trying to do with this is he was he was like, we're going to make something that's not like something you've seen before. Yes, it's going to have elements that have been used before in common TV and all these other shows. But, you know, it's it's going to be its own thing. We're trying to make something that's different, something that's more human. And just at the end of the day, he was just trying to provide a sense of wonder and storytelling that was just unique to the paintings yeah. and the work that Simon Stallenhag had. And I think he does a very good job with that. I think that they they hit every single note on on these episodes with being very humanistic and just very connected with the people and it's and it's very hard to stop watching it honestly i found because i want to know what's going on with all these characters because in the very first episode you have one character and then another character and the second character you meet is the main protagonist of the second episode and i think that's very i think that's very cool Mm -hmm. that they do that where they're focusing on all the individual characters, giving them all their own individual storylines. It kind of reminds me a lot of the fourth uh, season of Arrested Development, where every single episode revolved around one of the characters from Arrested yeah. Development, but they all shared the same experiencing story that, that same that event. Great. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, no, it's all it's all one storyline, but it's all very separate. And I feel like they do a very good job of respecting anthology series and all the work that's been done mm-hmm. beforehand, and really just make something that's very enjoyable to look at and watch. And I think that it really hits the it really hits the nose on all that. Yeah, yeah. It, it nails sort of the hauntingly, you know, retro and modern imagery of the paintings while also building on them in a way that creates characters who fit right into those environments. And I'm interested to see, you know, where they go next. 
you know, because if, if they do another season of this, it'd be really interesting to see what other paintings they take on, too, because I recognize mm-hmm. some of the episodes from certain paintings, but others I don't. And then I went and looked at some more of the paintings and there would be some really cool opportunities with the rest of those. So, I mean, I'm excited to see where this show goes in the future. Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's definitely something you should definitely check it out. I mean, it's on Amazon Prime, so, you know, if you already have a Prime membership, go ahead and stream it. It's only eight episodes long. It's a super easy binge to have. So, yeah, highly recommend that for anybody else who has that and was looking for something to do while they're stuck at home in quarantine for the next month or so. Um, All right, so I think we're going to keep the ball rolling, and we'll go to my pick for the binge of the week. So uh, I picked uh, The Sopranos. Uh, it's a classic HBO original series. It has about six seasons and 86 episodes. Uh, the story revolves around a New Jersey mobster named Tony Soprano who has to juggle uh, his family life along with his illegal dealings in the uh, quote-unquote waste management business. Uh, they, it, I think that's one of the best parts about that show is they always mm-hmm. talk about waste management. And um, the, the reason I'm bringing it up now is because I, um, I just found out that um, HBO has made over 500 hours of their original content and movies free for the month of April due to the whole stay-at-home quarantine. Uh, and, you know, I this is one of the series that's included along with other ones like Veep, uh, Barry, Silicon Valley, a couple other documentaries. And, you know, I, I think that this is definitely one that people should be looking at just because of its impact on television. I mean, I, I, Charlie, have you seen any of the episodes? Of uh, I've, I have, I watched the show a while back. Um, and I recently rewatched the first two episodes of the show, but yeah, so I'm kind of, I know the show well enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I, I remember I started watching it because I had just binged all of breaking bad earlier this year. And I was like looking for my next show. Cause you know, everyone was saying watch better call Saul next. And I was like, okay, I'll get to that. But I read this article about how um, the reason Breaking Bad was so good was because Tony Soprano watched so Walter White could <laughs> run. And I, I, I don't know why, but I found that analogy to be like so hilarious and also very impactful. So I decided to watch The Sopranos. And I have to say, it is one of the best shows I have ever watched in my entire life. You know, I think the storytelling in it is absolutely superb. You know, it, it reminds me of all those like Martin Scorsese gangster movies like Godfellas and, and The Irishman and all of those. And something I think that's very interesting that the show does is that, yeah, it's a bunch of it's a bunch of gangsters in a smoky room talking about, you know, like all their illegal dealings. But it also talks about like yeah. the families and the girlfriends and all those people that are involved that you don't really see in these gangster films. And I think it it does a really good job of kind of addressing the larger scale of these like, you know, crime Lords who have families and they have a life and they have, and they, and they go to therapists and they talk about all their mental issues. So that's one of the reasons I think it's a great show. Um, I, I don't know. What, what are your thoughts? Well, so I, I didn't think about this until you said the thing about Walter White, um, but tales from the loop and, and the Sopranos could actually have a very similar theme because uh, what the Sopranos sort of does is it takes, you know, preceding decades of of mobster cliches and typical scenarios Mm -hmm. and places them in this middle-class context this day-to-day that you don't see in those other movies because in in the movies what you see is the rise of the central gangster and the fall where he rats on all his friends and they all get whacked Mm -hmm. and then he goes to jail or he goes (laughs) into witness protection and that's how it is in a lot of those um whether it's casino goodfellas heat any of those but what you have with the sopranos is 
the quieter moments, you have Tony talking to his therapist, you have Tony dealing with his son or his daughter or his wife and mm-hmm. all of his associates dealing with similar things. Uh, some of his associates dealing with their sexuality and the sexuality of their friends. There's really interesting things that get touched yeah. on here in the midst of all that mob guns and glory stuff. So I think the Sopranos is revolutionary in that way. And that's why it sticks with people. And that's why a series like Breaking Bad could stand out in the futures because they did a similar thing with another crime theme. Mm-hmm. And so the Sopranos is both groundbreaking and timeless because of that. And uh, it's a show that's very easy to come back to and enjoy uh, because it spends times with it, time with its characters. Something we don't see very much nowadays yeah, no, I totally... is a writer, TV director, spending time on, on characters and really fleshing individuals out who aren't necessarily that main figure. Yeah, no, I mean, I totally get that. I mean, I, personally, my favorite part of The Sopranos are, are are there women in it. You know, you have Camilla, the wife, who's like always talking about how Tony's just a lousy husband, doesn't spend any time with the kids. Or you got like the nephew's girlfriend, who's like the daughter or niece of another head gangster and how like that affects their relationship. And I, I oh, the, the grandmother, mm-hmm. the grandmother in The Sopranos has to be my favorite part. She's just this old crotchety woman who talks about how nobody loves her anymore she's just trash to them and and it's so funny to realize that she's actually the one that pulls most of the strings in this crime family she's the one who like tells the head mobster because like the head mobster's the uncle of, of her of her husband so she's like talking about oh you should maybe take out this guy because he's gonna affect you and then and then, the, and then the guy's like, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. I'm glad I She's sort of the godfather figure of the show, and that flips a sort yeah. of traditional view that on its head. Yeah, what it what the show does with yeah. women is very interesting because, I mean, mob movies have always disposed of women. Hollywood in general has just disposed of women in the past. But, uh, oh, well, but The Sopranos does yeah. a good job of sort of being that first stepping point for displaying the actual struggle people in that situation might go through. Um, and And that's another thing it does that just wasn't done before. It shines a light on the people who mm-hmm. are typically disposed of, and it's shown that they might actually be the puppet masters in the end. Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, I, I mean, the whole, the, the whole series just revolves around the idea of family, you know, I, I mean, other, other than the fact that like, you know, they're Italians, you know, and like the whole idea is that Italians have these strong familial ties, but you know, it, it, it's about, the mob family it's about your real family your extended family it's about all of those people and i was actually watching i think uh, an episode in season two with my dad the other day so my so my dad watched it when it was mm-hmm. first coming out on hbo you know when it first aired and and we're and we're both watching it and we're watching the scenes where you know like the daughter goes out and she gets drunk and then the cops get called on her and then she's dealing with the parents and everything like that and we were just laughing so hard because of just how relatable it was in a show that's about mobsters. Like I'm from the West coast and I am now feeling sympathy for this daughter who is the daughter of a mobster <laughs> in New Jersey. Like I thought that was the, it, it's just one of the funniest things to think about. You know, it, it just deals with the family aspect in a way that's super entertaining. And it's just so interesting to see the dynamics between all these family members play out through the course of the series. I mean, you got like the son who like in the first season learns that his dad's a mobster and he has no idea how to grapple with the fact that like his whole life is set out for him because he's the son of Tony mm-hmm. Soprano. That's his whole like thing is that he just doesn't know like how to get out from under that shadow. So he like always impersonates him and personifies him in so many things. And I think that's just 
such a crazy thing to talk about with family mm-hmm. dynamics in like the early 2000s even yeah uh all right well charlie uh i think that's all i have for today um if there's anything else you want to add or throw out in there um do it now uh anything else that we should be keeping our minds out to but uh for that I think all right fine. sounds good all right charlie thanks yeah so thanks for, for having me us. that was yeah, sure, no problem. That uh, was What the Binge with Ryan and Charlie. Tune in next week for another great episode with some more recommendations. See you later, man.